and welcome to episode 25 of Three Beers in a Movie. I am Richard Laird and today I'm with Colin McKay and Barry Neal, who is here for a very short time. You're going to be quick, we'll get Barry in and out and then he'll be away. Barry's a working man. He's a working man. Unnatural hours he's working is what he's doing. He might be a vampire. I mean, we don't really entirely sure he's not a vampire. That's true, yeah. Which makes him more of a fucking vampire. Yeah, what do you mean? Everything you say now is you become vampire. That's why I like the winter months because it means I can get up at five o'clock. Did he have any garlic with his dinner? Mm-hmm. It's odd, yeah, and there's no mirrors in here to check anything right now, so <laughs> Barry may be a vampire, oh my god. Yeah, perfect setting for a vampire. Throw some water on him. You see what happened? He's still fresh water on you. It's true. Mm-hmm. He was, it was a holy water, he, he gets freaked out by it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. Okay, um, Colin, what are you drinking tonight? Um, Crucevice, the Again, Italian... Again, <laughs> the entirely Czech beer that you drank last week. The Italian lager. Um, Why are you drinking that now? Is it because it's cheap? No, it's, it's actually not cheap. There's um, at least 17 cheaper beers in here than Crucevice. Um, it's nice. <laughs> you like it? Yeah. 17. I'm, I'm just, I am happy drinking something other than um, Corona, which is nice. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's good. It's sell salt, but that's a different story. Yeah. Um, no, it's actually nice. It's got nice and kind of light and fizzy. And, yeah. Yeah, I tried to tweet about Crucevice, but I can only find a, the Greek subset of Crucevice online. Which is the Italian. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but anyway, I couldn't find them online. <laughs> what are you drinking? I am drinking. What do you call it? Uh, um, Spinnaker from Jobru. You do like Jobru, don't you? I do like Jobru. A few things I've had from Jobru I actually do really enjoy. Um, I, can't, I can't think of the names offhand right now, but Jobru just seem to want to. Just to amuse myself, Barry, what are you drinking? <laughs> I am drinking tap water. You're drinking tap water? <laughs> well, is it holy water? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's not holy water. He's not burning from the inside, it's not holy water. But Barry's drinking tap water because Barry's working, man. Barry's working. He has to drink. Whereas we are generally leisure. We have time. Um, and again, we're in the Raven, as we always are. As, as, as we probably ever, will always forever be. Yes. Um, if you're ever in such a set, we'll pop by to the Raven. It's, um, it's good, we like it. Yeah, we do like it. Yes, there's no denying that. Renfield Street. Renfield Street, yeah, we do like it. Um, um, as we figured out last week, the way to trick these fuckers into liking us is to mention it before we start talking shit. Um, and you switch off. Um, so you can find us at now. Usually, what happens is that you just call in, goes on about this whole the number three beers in a movie. So call in, so I think a people tend to the number three beers in a movie. It's three beers in a movie. Yep. At gmail.com. At Instagram, at Facebook, at Twitter. So it's three beers in a movie. Um, so like us, love us, hate us, criticise us, just fucking communicate. Is it the rest to hear from me? Nice one. Um, so call on, this is a movie podcast. <laughs> we're on episode 25 they just set me up here yeah um, so anyway I've always heard that there's a cinema not far from our work that we go to regularly yeah well one we go to regularly as I'm setting up right now yeah. how many films have you seen this week in that cinema in the cinema I thought about <laughs> you thought I was going to see a few things um, I projected myself yeah um, none, none in the cinema but I did do some home okay we'll get to that in a minute Barry how many did you see Zero. Zero? Okay. So this podcast session now is me convincing you to go and see other films. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's, Wait, that's, good that that's like, that's, that's an issue. I think we need to change the title to three guys and maybe a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or one guy watching movies, two of them just sort of... Two guys and three beers or one guy watching watch movies. movies. Yeah, because I'm like, yeah. There's only one who's putting the effort in here. I am trying. Yeah. How was a week week for me? I've, I've had a busy yeah. week as well. I've, been, I've had shit. You've been shit on this week. Yeah, my lady's birthday. Yeah. So you've been busy. Yeah. Lady's yeah. early shift, I'm night shift. Yeah. You know, it's... it's Listen, all... Richard has no life that so he's doing it. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to I have genuine reasons for yeah. a movie going. Uh, but, Elon, I've got cinema. Have you seen anything at home of interest? Yes. What have you seen at home Very of interest? Interesting. Um, hopefully. Right, okay. Off, it's right? a two year old movie but you've seen it before right did you enjoy no, it again no, right. I've seen it before but I've only seen it before on a, a very dodgy copy we, we, do we do not condone downloading ever on TV yep. movie. Um, never but, um, I'd only ever seen one, one, seen it once when it first came out and it was a really bad copy and this is my first time watching it in proper quality kind of copy on Netflix or it was a um, what's it Owen Firestick? Firestick, yeah. Oh, can I take my Firestick story? Have you wanted to have a Firestick story? I'll tell Barry's a Sam. So, have you had your podcast called Lore? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a TV show. Yeah, on Amazon. On Amazon, right. So, the other night, I was sitting in the fire stick and you hold it a wee button and you speak to it and you tell me what you want to do and it does it. So, Colin holds it up and he goes, Lore. And it says, we cannot adjust the volume on your TV. It goes, Lore? What? We cannot adjust it. So, I gave up and it was a movie podcast.
brought up that, but yeah, it was like five minutes a week arguing a fucking fire stick about this. This is the machines win, you know. Yeah. This is how they're going to beat us. This is going to beat us. Just quickly on that, I did watch the first episode. Is it any good? It is very much like I know it's meant to be, but it is literally a dramatised version of the podcast because it's the same guy that does the podcast that narrates it, and and he cuts in and out all the time. Um, You know, some between like like, they do dramatic reenactments. Robert Patches on them. Yeah, very good. Um, but they do reenactments and just we kind of stop halfway through and he'll start telling stories about you know why this is called that and stuff like that so it is really like it plays like a podcast but it runs for an hour there's a podcast for about 20 minutes 20 minutes 25 minutes at most um, yeah. so it kind of drags out and the, the biggest criticism I was reading up on it on IMDb is 80% of the criticism is the guy sounds terrible he's and a very dull voice his voice is alright when it's not linked to a vision yeah. it, it, it works in podcasts but I would agree his voice does he's got a voice for radio yeah I think so it has happened in the past where I've actually stopped listening to a podcast because I've listened to a couple episodes on a recommendation and because the person has been like just not engaging for me I'm like nah are you saying I'm engaging yes yes we're engaging yeah, look, well, if you listen to the podcast, yeah. definitely check it out. You, you might find the same like his voice does. Kind of, you think, stop letting me watch what you're trying to say and stop fucking talking about it for two minutes. Trying to make watch it. Um, Back to the Hateful Eight. Back to Did you enjoy it again? Fucking really. It's a fantastic movie. Yeah. It's a really, really good film. Um, we're only going to know if it's the best Tarantino film because that will be a podcast in itself at some point. I'm sure. Possibly. Yeah. Hateful Eight. It's special. Yeah, it is a special. It's Tarantino's love story to the yeah. Um, that's essentially. Well, there's, there's um, stuff in the music from the thing in the um, yeah. in the soundtrack. Yeah, stuff for that. Um, basic premise: eight guys in a cabin, one of them is you know potentially the thing murderer slash takes it. There's that. Um, yes, yeah, Tarantino is maybe his best. I mean, it's a hard. I mean, Tarantino's best. Is, Again, it's just a fucking. It's a hard value. It's, it's a hard part. It's, it's, it's a debate we we'll have probably much later on. But yeah. But, I mean, you've all seen it before, I'm sure. Um, and no. I, I really Why did you watch it of interest? Just, I, I was just kind of browsing and, and I flicked through it the day before and it, it just kind of, I've always meant to go back and watch it because the clock I assume was terrible. Yeah. And, and you need to listen to it. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a very dialogue-driven film. Yeah, the copy very, I yeah. had was like kind of ropey sound yeah. as well, so yeah. I, there was a lot of that I didn't quite pick up on. It's also an effort, because it's a good, good three-hour film, it's a chunk of film, it's yeah, a good chunk of time. you don't get an interval when you're watching on TV and the speech that didn't really it, didn't it? I think in the New Beverly, maybe done that. Not when you saw it in um, like Old right. and stuff like that. But in the New Beverly, yeah. You, do, you need to sit down and you need to be engaged. Like, I'm, I'm focusing on stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. And if I was reading it then, I would give it a 9 out of 10. Nice one. Yeah, Barry, you watching this week on the, um, the TV? There's been two things I've taken over my life. One on Netflix, which was called Shot in the Dark, and the other is The Pacific, which was on Sky Fox sets. The yeah, Pacific is, like, is the uh, follow-up to Banner Bros. Yes. Um, is it Spielberg? Spielberg and Hanks producing. Yes. Um, you know who the young boy in it is? No. It's um, Tim, Timmy from um, Jurassic Park. Is it? Yeah, he's, he's in it. Yeah, he turns up in it. Anyway, um, does it have common hands in it? Just like curious. I can't remember actually. I've not. I've only watched it once, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, I think so. But it's. One of the shows, it's a great show. Yes. But it suffered from being the fault of Banner Bros, which is probably one of the best, it's probably the best TV show the last 20 years. Easy. So I, it's it, not quite it's, as on that level. It's That was my criticism, and I spoke to you about it a little bit uh, the other day, was you're, you're a good three, four episodes into this season, which is ten episodes before there's really any sort of like real solid character development and why you should really care for these guys and you're sitting there like yeah I'm not about four hours into this I'm not really I don't really care about these guys like and you're watching them get blown to bits and you're like yeah whereas Band of Brothers you, yeah. you are invested almost instantly with these guys you almost yeah. you have the Curie scenes and stuff like that you get to know who these guys are yeah. and you have an investment in who they actually are um, but it's still it's still fantastic television it, is, it's, and, uh, you know, it talks a lot about maybe the other side of the wall that maybe a lot of folks don't like talk about particularly in this country yes we always we're very much focused on the uh, yeah, Europe, Europe the land war yeah. whereas this one is the uh, US like Marines and Navy and all that dealing with like Japan, Japan and yeah. pretty much always and always taking over all these little islands 
that are in the Philippines to stop Japan having like a, an open gate for Australia. They basically island hopped. Yes. They went from one small island to another small island to make sure they took island by island. You know, they're basically across the Atlantic, across the Pacific, yeah. taking island by island by island just to make sure they didn't, like I said, invade Australia. Yeah. I'm going to be a bit in for a second, but is it flag waving propaganda? I wouldn't say so, no. no. It talks more about the brutality of war and almost the... the, the, the um, it never, even with the original Banner Bills as well, it's, and even with this, they never paint it like, hoorah, hoorah, yeah. like Britain and America. It's very like, especially with this one, it's like there's, a, sucks, yeah, oh. there's a lot of like, when they're on islands and all that, it's like the recon guys haven't done enough homework to, to find out that the Japanese have dug all these uh, tunnels in the hills, so all the guys are going up there and they're just getting slaughtered. Yeah, the lines led by lambs type yeah. thing, you know, that kind of, you know, kind of home. It's, it echoes a lot of times that, um, particularly the some of the battle scenes in this, it echoes quite a lot of um, Gallipoli, have you ever seen the Gallipoli film? Yeah, yeah. That idea of, like, you know, just people getting, that idea of like, people just getting, like, whole generations getting massacred, you know, yeah. enough, you know, it has that feeling in it as well. Yeah, it's just horrible. Um, so, Collins, I'm going to set a challenge this week. Maybe not you, because you won't do it. I'll set your challenge as well. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, a Pacific film that you've, got, you've had from me for the last six months. Oh, all right, okay, no, <laughs> um, so, so, you're just saying that like, Band of Girls is the best kind of war here in the past 20 I would say so. Band of Girls is phenomenal. It's phenomenal television. Tour of Duty. This is your homework, right? It's a TV show called Tour of Duty. Uh-huh. Um, early 90s, I want to say. Uh-huh. One for. I think maybe three or four seasons. Um, Vietnam, it, it, it's like kind of, it plays a lot like platoon. Right. But I, I think some more, if you like that kind of thing, and it, again, it's not flag waving and stuff, and it isn't like when it shows you war, the shit, and people die. I'd push more for Generation X. Tour of Duty, I know the one you're talking about as well. Is it about the Iraqi war? Tour of Duty, so is your homework. Even watching the first two or three and see how you go with that. Nice one. And if you get taken, it's there too as well. Because it's got me fucking majors in it. Okay, well, I think you should watch um, Citizen Kane that I gave you six months ago. You should watch is that, it. Is this a new film? It's a new film, yeah, that I gave you. <laughs> my, I want my Citizen Kane back. That's what I want back. I want it back. Yeah, there's a gap in the bookshelf. There's a gap in the bookshelf. It's annoying me now. It's beginning to irritate me. Right, okay, I'll be fucking watching. And you watched also on Netflix, you watched Wells, was it? Shot in the Dark, which is. I think it's 10 episodes, it's like a documentary type series and it's based around three guys who all have like individual companies and they're, they're called Stringers, that's the official title and what that is, because over here we don't really have anything like this but over in LA it's guys that are running around being independent film what they do is they record things for like news channels whether it be anything from like building fires right down to like um, homicides car crashes all that kind of stuff in between and it's really just them just running about and all that and then it's kind of the politics because you'll get three guys who all have very different ideas about how the business should be running you've got one guy who's called Zach he owns on CTV and he's literally just hoovering up all these other people to the point where he's the biggest company but within this big company they're all internally fighting because the only way you make any money is if you sell your story to the TV show and that's the point as well that yes. like, there's many different companies in Los Angeles I think it's Los Angeles isn't it? Yes, yes who are, they're all trying to film the same event they're trying to be the first to film it to get the angles that no one else has seen and then sell it on to say XYZ news channel it's quite interesting like, especially like when it comes to car crashes because that's the easiest one is the, the news channels really want like the car coming towards the cameraman with the police behind it but then they also want um, the the conclusion yeah. to the whether it be in the a chase, race yeah. or a shot or whatever so these guys are literally racing about LA getting the star bit and then jumping back in the motors and then chasing the already chase that's going on down the motorway and, and you're like wow how have you not died yet yeah. and also it's sort of based on that well not based on the Nightcore film is based on this one, yeah. one of the guys one of the guys that's in this documentary series who runs a RMG, uh, that's his little company, he's British, with his brothers, he does the, he's got his own team, he was actually an executive producer on Micro. Oh, right, interesting. Yeah, I know, I only learned that after, like, kind of Googling and seeing what was going down. Um, so, yeah, it's highly recommended. It's got that, it's got that weird thing where you're like, 
you really shouldn't be watching it because of its subject matter, especially when it comes to like crashes and shootings and all that. But there's just something that clicks, and you're just you need to like you need to see the end of it. It's that rubbernecking thing, you know, when you drive by an accident, yes. everyone slows down to yes. watch. You kind of need, you almost need to see it. I didn't. Are the nice people? Do you create them, or do you think you're a fucking horrible person doing a horrible job well, to make money? How do you? Well, the, Bri- the British person, uh, the British person, I'd say he he comes across like quite a nice guy because he's also trying to like make sure that these two different factions that don't like each other, Zach and um, Scott, they used to be like work colleagues, but now they've disbanded and went their own ways. He's kind of stuck in the middle of this like triangle. So Howell's trying to make sure that they don't end up ruining the industry that they're making uh-huh. by Zach being too big and Scott, who likes to package smaller stories. So he'll do like maybe like two or three for once to like the news channels. So the news channels will always be packing him. Right. You know, it's all that kind of like politics and all. I'm that. guessing a lot of these channels, all, like these guys, have relationships with certain channels yes. and stuff like that, and then also they don't like up like under like under um what's the word? under undersold under or yes. Or so that's what Howard's always got. Halfway through, that's what Howard's trying to kind of like get them all to calm down because you'll get Scott running away where he's like packaging up like, up like almost like a night's worth of stories rather than selling them individually. It's now eight for the price of one. Uh-huh. The good thing is they never tell you how much they are. The only problem is in the beginning, whoever was editing the TV show, I think they've been a big fan of uh, Fast and Furious because anytime they get their recall and the little CD radio hangs like from the police it's literally like like whatever car crash on I-80 or whatever then it cuts to literally the camera outside the car and yeah. speeding away down. Gear stick accelerator down and away. It was missing that. That's all it needed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you think it's a good watch? Absolutely. Um, I don't know. It's kind of rumoured that it might be getting a second season yeah. so I really hope so because the way the first I mean, it seems... Netflix is obviously looking for more content yeah, and original content. Original content, and this seems like it's very cheap to make because it's reality TV. You're not paying guys a lot of money. Yeah. Or you got a crew from around, couple of like sort of talking head interviews. Yeah, yeah. Compared to when they're saying making like say like well not making House of Cards anymore, but making like say Stranger Things and Punisher, yeah. which are costing a shit ton of cash. So and this it, is and pretty and cheap. And it needs to hit when it's when it's things like Stranger Things. It needs to come out of the gate and be big, big oh. ass. They could probably afford to take quite a loss on this. Especially you're selling about this show. Like, I was just to think in The Simpsons, you know how in The Simpsons like things just burst into flames? I used to think like that was just a Simpsons joke. See, after watching... The the things do you burst into flames? I mean, I don't know what fuel they're putting in their cars, but my God, their cars just burst into flames. I'm like, I don't know if our, I don't think our cars really do that, but over there they just seem to... <laughs> Yeah, I generally used to think that was just a Simpsons show, but, but it's not. Tell me what we think that I saw on Netflix. Which I did tell you both to watch, but you didn't watch it. Yeah, sorry. Which is... Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. Back you've watched half of it? No. No? I watched a tenth of it. You watched a tenth of it, well done. Is Barry heading us now? Yes, I am. Nice one, Barry. We'll talk to you later. I'm away home to watch Jim and Andy. Yes. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about Jim and Andy, the great beyond. Great beyond. What's the full title? I can't remember the full title. It's an immensely full title. It's like a 20-word title. I'm not trying to remember. But so Jim and Andy, the great beyond. It's about... Andy Kaufman, uh, well not Andy Kaufman, it's about Jim Carrey playing Andy Kaufman in the film Man the Moon, and how basically the Jim Carrey goes full, full method on this. In his mind he is Andy Kaufman, he he won't acknowledge anyone who doesn't call him Andy, he will not engage anyone who's not thinking he's Andy, he may feel calm Andy. It gets to the point where he's talking to the family members of, of the Kaufman family, as Andy Kaufman, they talked about the guy's daughter who never met Andy Kaufman. They talked about the, the daughter. So it's it's that level of like you know, he he believed in Andy Kaufman. Yeah. And basically driving a, a film crew up the wall. Because you see that you're talking to the Milo Foreman's director, the guy who's done some you know done Ellie Confidential, done amazing stuff. He's a broken man in this film. He is he is done. Well, it depends on of carry. Uh, I've not seen the documentary. Yeah, man. Yeah. I've seen it, Barry. Um, I've seen it. I watched about 15 minutes of it, but I have seen Man in the Moon. Yeah. And he, he is Andy Kaufman, but. He is, and fully, yeah, there's no doubt in that, yeah. He's got the character. Almost perfect. Yeah, I mean, he is breathing, living Andy Kaufman. Exactly, no, there's no doubt in it. He is. He, he is. 
he is the actor who he's supposed yeah. to be and he played the role. Yeah. But it's 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 one of those things like how far should someone go? Um, how far should an actor go? I think possibly did. Yeah. Because there's moments in it where he's playing this other character that Andy Kaufman plays. Who's in a, that's our personal title. Who's in a, I can't remember. Something, Something like that, yeah. So he's playing this character. And he's just abusive to not only friends, family, staff, crew members. He gets. Who's the wrestler that Andy Kaufman fought? fought? Was that female wrestler? No, the male wrestler. He did fight female wrestler, but he also wrote a, yeah. fought his male wrestler as well. He gets to the point where he's just abusing this guy, and the guy's going to the guy's going, I know Jim's supposed to play Andy Coffin, but Andy Coffin and me both know that everything he's done was an act. So Andy Coffin was never a dick to me off stage. So do you think Jim didn't realise uh-huh. the joke almost? Yes. Maybe. Uh-huh. Um, it's a fr- it's fascinating documentary. Jim Carrey's obviously went in this really insane direction in life. And he's, what, what I remember from the start of the documentary is they were saying that this footage has been basically like kind of hidden away for the past 10, 15 years maybe. Yeah, close yeah. And this is the first time it's came alive as well. So no one had... No, because they do they have to address it in the film where they want to put this documentary out either alongside the film or with the... But at the same time as the film and do the whole documenting about it. But basically, the studio went, we can't release this because it shows Jim Carrey as an absolute dickhead. So who the studio. The studio buried yeah, it. Not Carrey, the studio buried it. Because the whole idea of the film crew falling around is Carrey's idea. So, and the person doing the filming is Andy Kaufman's girlfriend. Yeah. So, and another person involved in the filming is like Andy Kaufman's like mate. He's sort of he's sort of like partner of in crime essentially. So, what we get in this is you get Jim Carrey narrating himself, being filmed, making Andy Kaufman's life story. Yes. Do you think? Going with Jim because he's really intense in this. Very intense. Yeah. I thought an almost Jim Morrison like you know, <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Do you think he's proud of what he done? I think he's in. When you look, listen, talking in retrospect. He admits, he admits it to a certain point that he is, he maybe did go too far at times. Right. Ultimately, I think what you get from the film is he believes his behaviour is worth the results. Justifies, Justifies what he got on, on screen, yeah. Um, and that's the big problem I've got with The documentary is excellent, I really enjoyed the documentary, I thought it was really well done, really interesting. It, it gets into this really kind of in-depth thing with Carey. It lacked the input from anyone else. Yes. You see, other opinions are like you hear Milo's Foreman, you hear the guy who wrestled, you hear Judd Hirsch, you hear Courtney Love and stuff yeah. like that later on. But they're all getting filmed at the time. They're all, they're all excited to be involved in the film. It'd be interesting to talk to, like, say, Dan DeVito and Paul Giamatti as well. Now, now like, how do you feel this film? You know, this is 20 years ago now, or 15 years ago. How do you feel, like, was that the weirdest set you worked on? Was that the oddest thing? Like, you know, how do you feel about Kerry now? Have you worked with him again? Would you work from, would you work from again? You know, how do you feel about doing that? You know, how, how you done? You know, I got this, have you ever worked with someone who's like that in the past or in the future who's been like that level of intensity? What else? The, the one I think could be likened to this where someone takes something to the point of where too far is um, Joaquin Phoenix where he done who am I? I would also say Ledger perhaps in the Joker Ledger as well so. yeah he went. He almost went too far and he obviously went over the edge with it uh, you also stuff like Rage and Bull with um, De Niro De Niro went you know he, he went to film it because Phoenix was so documented yes. that all kind of the ritual record that yes. and say but, Ledger or you know, De Niro going meth is not it's not a new thing no I mean but then even guys who are, who are renowned for going method, like um, Daniel D. Lewis, for example, yeah. is renowned for going method. Yeah. When he was on state, when he was on Lincoln, he would, he would only be Lincoln on set and stuff like that, right? But the difference is, I've heard people talk about um, Daniel D. Lewis um, say, when he was on set, yes, he was Lincoln, he was doing the whole Lincoln thing, he was behaving in that way. Offset, he didn't stay as Lincoln. He became Danny, he became Danny. You know, he came, he's talking to him as a normal person. So you don't get this from Carrie. Carrie yeah. I think the most famous anecdote you could probably tell here is um, Dustin Hoffman and from Marvin. Uh, oh yeah, why you when, stay awake for three days? Why, yeah, because you're, you're, a, tra- you're, you're an actor. You're a fucking actor, be, be an actor, yeah. Stay awake. So yeah. I suppose that's the most kind of anecdotal line for that. Yeah. Like, you know, you don't have to be so arrested character, you know, part of the fucking character. Yeah, that's the whole point, yeah. Character, yeah. yeah. If you want to be a rapist, you don't have to go and rape someone. You yeah. just pretend to be a, you're an actor, yeah. yeah. And that's the, the thing we carry as well. Yeah. But yeah, definitely, it's only an hour and a half long, around 40 minutes long. Yeah. So it's, it's a really good watch, interesting watch. 
and one you can it's nice to see a, this internal thing with an actor and you see it and it's the only thing I put down on the fact that you don't see other people commenting on it I'd like to understand other people's viewpoint of it where do you see just kind of cycle here um, where, where do you see Jim Carrey's career going from here what, what's he done recently it certainly was like a, I would say probably that I think that Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and Truman Show it's as high that, that, they, were, they were the three I think they were all roughly the same time and that, that was high point as an actor that's his peak that's his peak yeah after he done a brief resurgence recently with Kick-Ass 2 is probably Kick-Ass 2 was like he was, he was an and Jim Carrey role you know he's, yeah, he's a set well, no, yeah. sure, but he got maybe Bristol Mighty Bristol Mighty was a maybe 10 years ago Bristol Mighty was a, a big comedy hit but he's, he's disappeared a lot recently you know but do you see him I don't really I would like to see him come back he's always he's a talent and he always can do things that other actors maybe can't do or won't do but so I like to see, but I think it's more a part of like finding the role for him. But he obviously is a man. He's a man with serious mental problems and well, issues. I only found out about this week. Yeah. I, I didn't realise this. I was like a nightmare. I was like, yeah. Fuck, is he? Yeah. Uh, he's not particularly. He's, he's he's had issues in the past. He's still funny. But he's still got a funny move in him, or is he now a serious? Is he now? No, a I, mean, I mean, his thing is he's done stuff like. Kick Ass is funny and Kick Ass extent. Bruce Almighty came after all these films, so there's stuff like uh, Mr. Popper's Penguins and all that kind of stuff. He done Dumb and Dumber 2 as well. Mm-hmm. Wasn't good, but he's still trying to be funny in it. So he has got funny stuff in him, there's no doubt in that. It's a matter of like, does he need to do it? Because he's obviously still making residuals of all the stuff he's done. He needs to be feeling inspired, I think, to do something. And maybe he's not got is it. He, is he wait behind the camera yet? No, not at all. I don't think so, no. Something for him, maybe? Possibly, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, so that was it. Definitely, Jim and Andy to get beyond. Definitely worth a watch. Um, it's out. It's on your your home screen, so there's no excuse not to watch it. I, I was enjoying this. I watched 15 minutes of it, and I was really enjoying. It, it was quite passionate to see Jim Carrey as is now. It was, just, it was almost like this almost Jim Morrison face. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I'll, I'll catch up with this. But on to um, the cinema viewings. Screen, oh, big screen, right? So it's all me trying to convince you to go and watch these things now, basically, yeah? Well, I'm convinced that it's just me finding the time to watch these things. Okay. Watch, um, so the first thing I watched this week at the big screen was Suburbicon. Directed by Josh Clooney. Starring Matt Damon, Juliana Moore, and Oscar Isaac. Good fucking. Very good cast. The plot comes from a Cone Brothers script, which, yeah. is a, which is always a, a high mark of quality, usually. Um, the plot basically is Matt Damon, Julia, Matt Damon and Julianne Moore playing both her both sisters. So Matt Damon's actor one is Julie, one is Julianne Moore's. Okay. They in the house basically someone breaks into the house one night and kills the one of the sisters. Well, kills, kills, kills Matt Damon's wife. From that, Matt Damon's life sort of spiraled. You start wondering, did Matt Damon kill his wife? Did Matt Damon was Matt Damon involved in it? And it's very much like trying to understand the like what the, the the background to the, the house break-in was. Is it film noir? To an extent, it's a black comedy. Yeah. Um, it's an odd film because the first trailer came out that was very different from the trailer you've seen in the cinema over the past three months, yeah. which unfortunately I think gives the entire film away. Yeah. Okay. But the film starts in a way where you're going, let's give it a different film what the film what the trailer sold me, which sometimes I hate. But something I'm going, this is, I'm interested, I'm intrigued, I'm intrigued where it's going to go. Unfortunately, after that, it, it revolved into the film that I thought it was going to be, it revolved into the film the trailer showed it was, and to be honest, it, the trailer gave away far too much. Well, it's your personal bugbear. Personal bugbear. And I feel there's moments in the trailer for this that just gave massive, massive problems away. You could probably guess I'm watching it. It's probably signposts a little bit. Yeah. But we have you have moments in the trailer where like certain certain characters are bloodstained. You go right. Well, clearly he's involved in this. Yeah, the character's fucking covered in blood. Uh huh. So I know you're possibly the biggest Cone Brothers fan. I don't know. Yeah. You love the Cone Brothers. And um, you, you, you always kind of wince a bit when the scripts get passed around. Absolutely, yeah. But it, to me, I think Clooney is possibly the one person that understands the Cohen's vision more than anyone else. Clooney could be the one guy who understands the vision. How does he do that? He doesn't. At all? <laughs> no, not at all. It's, it's not a bad film. It's not an awful. It's not a fucking. It's not a, a terrible, terrible movie film. Uh-huh. It's okay. Yeah. But it lacks the thing the Cohen's bring to a film. Now. If you actually describe what the Cone Brothers bring to a film, you can't do it. Yeah, it's the Cone that's why, because it's fucking Cone Brothers, yeah. Everything about it feels like, you know, everything a Cone Brothers film, you watch the Cone Brothers and go, well, that's a Cone Brothers film. You know exactly what you're watching, you know it's a Cone Brothers film, and everything about it feels Coney. Yeah. 
this film, again, it feels like someone trying to ape a Coen Brothers film. And with that, you get a film about people just not quite getting what the film is. Right, okay. Nothing, like, nothing bad about it. Like, all the cast play the roles well. Nothing wrong with them at all. Matt Damon's very good. John Moore is very good. Oscar Isaac's not only got a, maybe an extended cameo, but very good in it. Always so. The background cast who are more flat in and out, they're also very enjoyable as well. There's nothing wrong with them. They're all, they all feel very Coen Brothers-y. Mm. That makes sense, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, you know, yeah. they, feel, they, feel all, they know that universe well. Is that the one Tarantino films out there? Tarantino, that's the same idea. My biggest bugbear in part would perhaps be with Clooney. As a director, not a bad director. He's done he's done stuff like Confession of Your Mind, which I think is a phenomenal movie. He did also Good Night and Good Luck, which is also a phenomenal film. He's now dipped a little bit with Leatherhead. Um, the, the Eyes of March, I think it is. Eyes of March, yeah, which I thought was really good, but then it really good, great. But I really enjoyed it. Um, and then most recently, his film was The Monuments Men, which I thought again a great premise, a great cast. Just didn't quite gel and pull off the way you want a, a film to pull off. And this is the same idea. Some nice ideas, nice moments, but just never really pulls off what you want it to pull it off. So, not an enjoyable film, but you can really just take the fucking script and not try and be clone with it. He can, I mean, it's a Cone script. They can. Apparently, the Cone script has been sitting in their drawer for a long time. It's a Cone Brothers script, but they didn't. They weren't involved in the rewrite of it. The rewrite was involved by the Cone and a guy called Grant Heselov. Who's his like sort of producing Heslov, sorry, not Heslov, Heslov, the producing part and writing partner. So they've taken the, the Cone idea and they've done enough, they've done enough to, to make it, they got all the co writing credit on it. So, those, possibly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's enjoyable enough, but you feel that some of, it's not as good as some of its parts. With that cast, that director, and that, those writers, it should have been more. Do you think it expects an Oscar nod? I think it maybe it thought it might get one, yeah. but I think now that's definitely disappeared. You think that, that's gone now, yeah, I absolutely. Think it's Possibly, but yeah. I think Cobras have brought something completely different to it. Yeah. yeah. Not different, but they've brought something to it similar to what Clooney's trying to do, but they've done it better and more in, in the. They've had Cobras. Had Cobras in exactly, yeah. Six and a half. Six and a half. That's, it's that, watchable. Again, that, it's utterly mean, watchable. If somebody said to me, I'll give this album six and a half, go and see it, I'd be like, yeah, well, it's not a fucking bad film. No, it's not a bad film. It's watchable, it moves quick enough, there's nothing that off about it. Just, I felt I wanted more. Do you think you would have thought it was a better film if it wasn't attached to the Conrad's? Possibly. That might have been. Right, so, possibly, is, yeah. Is that kind of but I liked it more than the other. expectation it's already shot down because it's not. That's from the Conrad's of the script for, then it made with a film called Gambit. Yes. I like this a lot more than Gambit. Right, okay. Okay, so put it that, that way. Okay. So, Cone Brothers, read your scripts, don't give them to go make your own fucking movies. Let, just let us hit your drawer. If you, have, if you want to go back to it in 20 years' time and make it yourself, exactly. then I'm happy you're doing that. Yeah, do that. that I'll be happy with that. Cool. So, yeah, that's the Publicon. On to. On to. Next film, which is called Battle of the Sexes. Which is. Uh, the enactment of uh, I want to say seven, is it seven? Seventies, yes. Of Billy Jean King and Bobby Riggs. Bobby Riggs tennis match. Tennis match. He's basically a male chauvinist motherfucker that thinks he can beat any woman. Men are better women tennis. It's more exciting, more interesting. Billy Jean King says fuck you and unfolds her. Yes. Um, directed by Valerie Farris and Jonathan Drayton, who are a married couple who operated Little Miss Sunshine, okay. which I love. Which is a terribly funny film. Yes. Yeah. You don't want to laugh at something, but you fucking laugh. <laughs> you also done Ruby Sparks as well, which I wasn't. I didn't quite like that quite as much. Yeah, didn't like that as much. It's, it's okay, but didn't really, it didn't really gel with me the same way a lot of my sunshine did. Um, the plot of the film is that Emma Stone plays um, Billie Jean King. Right, how is she because Emma Stone, she's a fucking glamorous girl. She is. She's a horrible pretty girl. Billie Jean was not. <laughs> I'm not trying to fucking, you know, shit out of it. She wasn't wearing for her stunning good looks. How does she down it down? They essentially give her a dodgy haircut and glasses. Okay. Is she beautiful? She's believable, yeah, very much so. Um, so she's playing Billie Jean King. So just doing a few lines here, nothing to think about. No. She's playing Billie Jean King. It's a biopic. To an extent about Billie Jean King, it's a very short period of her life where she broke out. She was a, the leader in breaking away from the tennis tour, to make a, a women's tour because the men's tour was getting paid eight times more than what they were getting paid. Yeah. So that's a big part of it. 
Um, the idea that I think I think I think at the majors is now equalised. Right. After a long time, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is only recent, so this, this shit's still coming on. Fucking fresh, um, yeah. You get Steve Corral playing Bobby Riggs. You've also got a really good one called Andrew Riseborough, who's a good actress, um, Bill Pullman, Alan Cumming, it's just a woman. So, yeah. it's all a good cast. Who does Alan Cumming play? He plays the. Um, Alan Cumming. Cumming is, yeah, Cumming, yeah. He plays, the, he plays like sort of the, the guy on tour who designed all their clothes and stuff like that, right. and sort of like that. He plays. Cumming plays Gay very well. Gay finds out he plays very well. Yeah, yeah. He can't be one to you. Yeah. 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 Um, this film, it's strong performances from all. Like Emma Stone is excellent. Steve Carell is excellent. I think Steve Carell is one of the, one of the most underrated actors going this now. Definitely choosing roles now that they're putting their thoughts character stuff. Like yeah. Really thinking, you know, you're going to watch it. Fucking deep into it. Some, deep into it. Some, or if you'd watch something like, say, Anchorman, like 20, 15 years ago, you watch it go, who'd be the big actor in this film? You probably wouldn't have picked Steve Carell. No, dead, dead. But you should, because Steve Carell, that performance in Anchorman is a performance. He is doing something there. And he, he engaged every role, you know. So, in this again, very solid performance, a very good, excellent performance by Steve Carell. Everyone else, and Riseborough plays sort of like the the the, the first lover that Legion King has. That's sort of, of the, the same sex. So she's married at this point. She's married with a man she very much loves, and this is sort of like the first inklings of her having affection other uh, other places. Um, Bill Pullman plays sort of like a chauvinist pig involved in the tour. Uh, it says all one plays at the manager of the tour. Okay. I've, I've not seen the movie. Okay. Yes, very much so, yes. It is sharp. It's not as funny as the trailer makes it out to be. Right, okay. Okay. Um, but it is well done. It's excellent. I've really enjoyed it. It's a really fun film. It's a really well done film. It makes very salient points, apparently this in this day and age. It makes really good points. It is a little bit heavy-handed with those points sometimes, which at times you go, ah. And I think is, is that it, because of where it's made to be? I think it's made. I think I don't. It's, it's some a couple of lines that are, made, are mentioned. And I think I feel the audience are going to see this film are all very much a very liberal audience already. They're not stupid enough to yeah. know what you're trying to see. Uh-huh. Take up as well. yeah. Kinda, yeah. yeah. And I, again, there's nothing wrong with doing it because I get it's trying to make its point and try to do it, but I felt it was a bit heavy-handed at times, which some people might, some people might be okay with. I found it a bit off-putting a lot of times. And then, again, that's in my personal opinion. If you're if you have a less liberal if you have a less liberal persuasion yeah. than we are, you might have go, oh my god, that's some that's so I'm thinking going, yeah. I have no issue with two women kissing on screen or yeah. or two gay guys. I'm I'm, I'm like I'm fire away, I have no issue with yeah. it. I understand some of the audience may not have the same impact as my uh, Tim that I would have himself. For that, yeah. <laughs> Again, right, I'm going to ask this guy what's been out until Oscar season, until the Oscars happen, I'm going to ask Oscars. It's definitely, this is one other thing I find a little bit off-put about it, it's a little bit Oscar-baity. Right. You know, he's trying hard for the Oscar, which, right. again, I'm no problem with, that's what he wants to do. Steve Carell? But I think Carell might be a good shout for it, but I think also Emma Stone, it's the kind of role people like in the Oscar world. She does a, a certain amount of transformation to be ugly, but without... Did Stone get the Oscar last year for Lies? Yes. Will she get an Oscar? I don't know. No, she might get nominated. I, I know, yeah, I know it's not like that, the Oscars. No. It shouldn't be Collins making it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, can she get two nominations? She yet? could. I think she definitely could get two. Well, Amy, I don't think all the nominations in a row. So, I think she got a nomination again. Um, I don't know if they will, but... From what I've seen this year, and I've not seen everything that's up and coming yet, so I'm not quite sure. There's nothing that's really jumped out at me from a female role that I think, oh, that's that's the Oscar winner type thing, you know. Um, the film I would give the Oscar to was in last year's Oscars for a female role, but so it, it can't be going this year's. So, um, so that yeah, so um, that's she probably could get an Oscar for it. Carell could also get an Oscar for best support, and I'm guessing they might. He is sort of is a double-hander to an extent, but it does favour more Billie Jean King to an extent. It's her story. Her story. So they could easily push Trail into sort of supporting actor category, and probably from that they probably garner more votes. Is Trail 
No, not really. I need maybe teeth. Maybe right. teeth for me. Right. That's right. Really he goes so good, good, yeah. Good makeup. Yeah. So he is Steve Carell. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's Steve Carell. Um, I think there's another tennis film we reviewed actually a couple of months ago called Bob McEnroe. Yeah. This is better than that. Yeah, because you thought I was fucking boring. I found it boring. This yeah. is the reason why this is not boring is because it keeps the tennis to a bare minimum. The actual match itself is shown to a degree it's about 15 minutes which it should be it's not you don't need yeah match. the match well know what the match you know what happened I didn't know the result of the match though did you not? no I didn't no. so I didn't know the result I kind of watched the fact I kind of knew how it would turn out but I'm yeah. like oh I'm glad, it, I'm glad that's what you watched yeah yeah yeah, so, yeah. Uh, 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 10 stars how many 7 and a half good, good. so solid yeah again good, good still a good watch yeah. nothing bad about it totally a, a enjoyable fun film to watch and definitely in that Oscar season they buzz area you may want to watch it. Thank you. This week's releases, that's the one I want to see most of all. Definitely. Sure. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Did you see anything else? I have, because luckily this week I have... Richard's been putting in a lot of work. Effort and work you're putting in this, so... Colin's been stacking his ass and... Basically, yes. <laughs> so the last, next couple of times, I'm not going to blame you too much if you're not seeing these two. These two were on advanced screenings. Right. So I'm not going to move you for that too much. The first one I saw on advanced screening was The Disaster Artist. Which I really, really... It's out on Wednesday for everybody watching, it's out on Wednesday, so you will see it. Um, not only one Franco, but... Well, you say two Francos, I say it's only one Franco, <laughs> pretending to be the other Francos. It's not <laughs> I am still convinced that James Franco... The is that Dave and James Franco are... The same person, yes. Person. Much like the Olsen twins, but... Possibly, yes, yeah, but I think Franco, yeah. <laughs> Um, so it's, it's, that's, it's basically Dave is much fucking cuter in Charlie. He is in Charlie. Yeah. Yes. James, James and Dave Franco. You've also got Alison Brie in it as well. Uh, Seth Rogen, Melanie Griffith turns up in it as well. Interestingly. Um, so some of that it's about the filming of Tommy Wiseau. Is one Wiseau? Can I pronounce it? Yeah. Uh, the filming of the Room, which is widely regarded as being one of the worst films of all time. Yeah. But has garnered Hard night for space Bad Bad yeah, yeah. But has yeah. garnered A really insane Cult following People love this film For no reason Because it's, it's so it's bad a, In 20 years time The Grease of Strangler Is going to be that film Yeah Do you know what I mean it's, But it's I think so Grease of Strangler Is a good film now I This was never so. a good film But most people may say Go watch that And you'll be like Okay In 20 years time You've got to fuck anything Watch that right. It's so bad Most So the plot of the film Is basically um, James Franco plays Tommy Wiseau, this, 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 this guy who's like sort of a very odd character, he's sort of like an actor, but he's not a very good, he's a terrible actor, but for some yes. reason he has insane amounts of money. Um, why? No, that's a great thing, don't they think where you get the money from? <laughs> um, and he decides, like they go to Las, uh, Los Angeles, Frank, Dave Franco can't make it in the movie, so they decide to make their own movie. Tommy Wiseau writes this movie, and they start filming it based on his bankroll. Alison Brie plays Dave Franco's uh, girlfriend in the film. Seth Rogen's the, like, the sort of the script supervisor on the film. Um, and from that, it's actually filming the film and how this all breaks the relationship between the two main guys, which James and Dave Franco. Um, I found it insanely funny. Yeah. Like, brutally funny. The trailers, I mean, the trailer gives you like, a minute of the movie. Yeah. It's fucking hilarious. It's so, so funny. Wow. But what is more about it's very, very funny, it is heartbreaking at times. Not to, ruin it, not to ruin the film the finale of the film is basically them screening the film for the premiere yeah. and when you see Franco's reaction as Tommy Wiseau's reaction to people's reaction to the film it's just it's so heartbreaking yeah but it's beautiful in the same way so the, the guy, he's not setting out to make a bad movie. No one ever sets out to make a bad movie. He's not making a bad movie. Maybe that was a comment, but um, apart from that, no one wants to make a bad movie. No. He's making a fucking movie. He believes fully in this film, yeah. 100% in this, this film. So, and, and it just it doesn't fucking happen. It doesn't happen at yeah. all. Um, Does it explain what was wrong, though? I mean, it goes wrong. Basically, it's, it's the. Um, he. Wazoo is the director as well, he's an actor as well. Yeah. He's not a good actor. He's not a good director. He's doing shit in the film he goes like so he goes to like at one point he goes to buy he goes to rent the film equipment. Right? Okay, so like um the guy's telling like, okay, so you, what, what you want to rent, I don't want to rent, I want to buy it. You know, people here people don't buy film you, you rent it, that's the whole point, you rent it from us. It's cost if you buy it, you use it for one film, then you you're left the film equipment. So he's like, no, I want to buy it. So he's shooting on film in HD. Or you film or you film or digital, uh, both. 
Why? No, no, you don't. You shoot on one of the other. I kind of get it. Like, you're doing a podcast just now, and I say, Richard, here's 20 grand to do my podcast. You're never going to say I'm bad in the podcast. So, like, this guy's paying me on his fucking Yeah, exactly. So, so, this guy, was his paying these people want to make his film. You're oh. not going to say you're bad. Yeah, so all the, all the guys he got in the film are professionals who just want to. So the, the, the guys who got in the film who can help make the film, so that the guys who are behind the, like behind the camera, they're just professionals. Yeah. They'll make this film, then they'll get another job in six they weeks' time. Yeah. They have no, they have no emotional attachment to this whatsoever. Yeah. So they just like they're like fuck, fuck yeah. If you're if, as long as your check keeps clearing, we will turn up and we'll do this. How did the Frankoville, the Frankos, the, the girls work together? They work very well together, obviously. Is this the first movie they've done together? I'm trying to think what they've done, maybe done possibly together. Did right. they maybe bit parts of each other together? This before? is the first. Poss- yeah, first they've been like sort of one and two on the call sheet, yeah. Did they um, play brothers in the movie? No. Just out to do something? No, because um, Wazoo plays the, um, Frank plays Wazoo, and Franco plays the lead actor in the film. Right. Dave Franco plays the lead actor in the film. Right. Um, both of them give... They're fantastic performance from, from all the cast. I think they all fulfil their roles perfectly. Um, James Franco could possibly get an, os- an odd for um, Best Actor. Which is really funny considering the material is. Yeah, the well, me and my mate were talking about, yeah. me and Shield talking about saying like how meta it would be if the worst ever yeah. made end up winning Oscars for the fact yeah, that, yeah, you know. kind of really fucking yeah. Does it make you, this is a big question, does it make you want to see The Room? I mean, I've seen The Room before, have you seen The Room? No, I've, I've not. I've the room, really, but based on what I've seen in a sofa, the trailer, I'm kind of... The Room is downright awful. Like, I mean, not even, I don't find it in a, in a cliché, sort of, not cliché, in a sort of like, this is funny so bad, I can enjoy it. It's not. I do But people doing, but the other films I think people, I, I can enjoy, you know, they're awful. Like, I like Plan 9 from Out of Stage, for example. Yeah. This film, I think, is just awful. That people somehow, something, it twigs with people somewhere. Is there a charm in it at all? Is there, to I mean, me, what redeems it? There must be something. To somewhere. me, no. But is, it, is it a sheet to find this film? I want to see this film because it's so bad. Is that? It could be that. I don't. I honestly, I honestly, there's some films that I know that are bad that I can understand why people like them still. I don't get why people like this film, but people do. Um, but. This film does it. I mean, well, people are probably the good thing about this film. People will watch the the, um, the room because they, they want to see what it's like. Yeah, I'm intrigued. The end credits of the film are quite cool because the end credits of the film show the scenes they shot for the film doing the scenes from the film side by side. Okay. So you see them doing it and you're like, oh shit, it's bang on perfect. And it's like they're, they're not like the Franco version is not hamming it up. It's the film. <laughs> it's the film, yeah. It's Tony Wiseau, or what, what, Wiseau, is he still alive? Yes, he's, he's in the film somewhere as well. Does it ever kind of touch on how he feels now about that film he made then? He is! It doesn't touch on it too much. It does mention at the end of the film, you know, the film plays now to to midnight screenings and sells them out all the time. Like, I know the fact that like, Prince Charles here in London I had this on about once every three months and it sells out. So, does this then become a success story? Okay, essentially, yeah. That's the question. Oh. You know, this movie that's so bad is now worth so money. Is it a good movie? It's, it's, I, I mean, know. it's a successful film that's yeah. made money in itself, yeah. yeah. Who knows? What was the budget for it? The film for the original the room film? I gave it six million. Wow. Yeah. Oh, right, okay. So Which is like, well, did you make a decent film? If, like, I mean, something like Mon- Tangerine was like 50 fucking Monsters million. cost less than a million, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just waiting to say, like, you know, fucking no. 15,000. Five, six million on it. Jesus Christ, I mean, I've got a good film for that amount of money. Jesus Christ. The biggest thing I take, biggest thing I take from this film is it feels like a real step up for this group of people. Yeah. You know, your Francos, your Rogans. Who, for the most part, have done pretty much your your comedies. Stoner comedies. Stoner comedies. Yeah. Nothing wrong with it, but stoner comedies. Yeah. Yeah. This felt they took a wee step up to do something that had actual sort of weight to it. Yeah. It gets away from that whole. Let's just let leave the camera running for twenty minutes. You do some ad lib, and we'll cut around it and make a film out of it. You know, it, it gets away from that thing. It feels very much well, it's much more structured, and it has to be. Who's the showman playing? He's a um, script supervisor. Is he good? He does his role, yeah, he plays well. Um, so that, that's... that's. Um, I, I actually, I'm rooting for him now to win the Oscar, because that, that would be amazing. I mean, like I said, again, this year... In a fucking alternative universe, someone's just, someone's just going to kill him. There's nothing up. this year that I, I, can, I can think of says our partly would be definitely nominated ahead of it. Yeah. So, and also, the best picture Oscar is like, it's like 10 films now, isn't it? 
Something like eight or nine, eight yeah. to ten films. Ten, yeah. I don't know, they could easily get a nomination. They might not have been running, they might be like, you know, obviously they nominated ten, there's maybe, there's maybe two or three that are fine out for the actual Oscar. Yeah. I know this, I just like sort of token nods. Yeah. This could clearly get a nod. Not win, but definitely get a nod. Even its own, it's still like, you know, if you're making a film about possibly the worst film, it's yeah. going to get a nod for the best fucking movie at the Oscars, yeah. I've been saying. Franco again, behind the camera. Director as well. That would be insane. Imagine a guy getting nominated for Best Actor and Best Actor. I mean, I can't remember. I mean, Woody yeah. Allen might be the only person you think of who's done that, maybe. Possibly yeah. Woody Allen. It's Frank Oshinius. He's definitely he's a Renaissance man. You know, he, he can do anything. Yeah, I mean, he does it all competently. At least competently. I've only seen one of his films, which was, is a film called I, As I Lay Dying, which I really I actually quite enjoyed. Um, but he's got a massive direction credit he's done a lot of directing yeah. he's done a lot of writing he's done a lot of producing he does poetry he does music art, art. He's, he's, a def- he's definitely a guy who's like a, he's one of the highest IQs in Hollywood he's definitely a, he's a guy who he's restless he, 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 wants to keep, he wants to keep busy always yeah. always doing something you know if you don't hear about it he's not doesn't mean he's not doing it you know he's just he's always busy and almost, almost in these stone of comedy almost him like slumming it a little bit he could do a lot more I guess oh, yeah. and he's a guy who's he's been nominated for an Oscar before he's done like you know 217 no 117 that one he's done that one you know so he's, he's got game he can act he can act yeah, yeah he's definitely on, got on, talent on a good day on a bad day He's made some fucking. He's made some horror shows, yeah. But you, you know, he, 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 he can actually he can direct, he can do music, art, and stuff like that. So definitely, definitely a guy you want to keep an eye on. I think so. Yeah. Um, out of 10 stars, sir. 8 out of 10. Oh, that's good. Solid. That's I mean, 8 out of 10 might also give the fact that at the start of the film, you get a sort of like other directors giving some um, love for the film, okay. the, the, for the room film. With what? JJ Abrams. Fuck. And important to me, Kevin Smith popped up on it. Yeah, it made me Jill. I watched the film. Jill told me. Did you know that? I didn't know. No, I didn't know at all. And Jill told me she was like banging him in the arm. Like I'm like I know who he is. I like I know who he is. Kevin Smith is Richards. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. We'll do a Kevin Smith special one fucking day. I'm sure. But Kevin Smith. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, oh, good on Kev. He done it. So yeah. So yeah. So eight out of ten. Which would normally be the film that's based on the worst film. Is it is impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on to the last film we saw this week. One more. One more. What? I saw last night. It was on the uh, secret screening. Oh. It's anywhere, right? Was it? So, a few options. It could have been. It could have been downsize. It could have been Star Wars. It wasn't going to be Star Wars. <laughs> it could have been. Um, it could also have been perhaps maybe three doubles outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Yep. Which looks fantastic. What it was, and which I was delighted it was, was a film called Molly's Game. Ah, yes, I know exactly the film you mean. Okay, directed by a guy called Aaron Sorkin, who you may have heard of. We may have heard yeah. of Aaron Sorkin. It's his, it's his debut as a director. Yeah. But the guy has wrote, you know, the greatest stuff of all time. He wrote The West Wing, he wrote Sunset Strip, he wrote Sports Night, he wrote Social Network, he wrote uh, Moneyball. Yeah. Uh, American President was a great film as well. He wrote also A Few Good Men as well. Not a few good men. Yeah, a few good men as well. Um, so the guy can write dialogue like Moko can breathe. Yeah. He is the best ever written forward. He's and a fucking wordsmith. He's a wordsmith of the highest order. Yeah. The plot of this film is Jessica Chastain is basically an, a possible Olympian who's, who fails to qualify for Olympics. And because of that, I'm becoming a lawyer now because she's a very high achiever from the family she comes from. But before becoming a lawyer, she decides to go and become, like, basically, slum it for a year. Well, slum for a year, she, she starts to run a, 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 a poker game for the rich and famous. Yeah. Now, what fucking gets me with this movie is that it's true. It's a true story, yeah. Fucking, this isn't talking, making... No, this is it's like, based a true story, yeah. This is a real fucking woman who ran a real poker game for real fucking big whites with lots of money and carry on. Massive money, yeah. yeah. Um, from that, she... she has a program she runs on behalf of her boss and then from that the boss ditches her she starts her own poker game that had even bigger high rollers on it from that she may get tied up in the Russian mob you're not entirely sure that's the whole point of the film because she gets arrested at the start of the film she has been arrested on a sort of like a mass corruption claim and it's her trying to prove that she's not who they say she is okay and starring Jessica Chastain as Molly it's always fucking phenomenal, yeah. Always watching. She doesn't do much wrong. playing a lawyer. Again, Idris is always, always solid. Yeah. You've got Kevin Costner playing a dad. I mean Costner. Oh, you you Costner. can't go wrong with Costner. Kevin Costner and Ross have been Costner. Just have been Costner, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I loved it. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. It is. The trailer sells it as a lot of a quick, fun, tasty movie. It is a fucking dialogue-heavy film. Yeah. If you're a fan of myself who, who loves dialogue, I love dialogue in a film. Let's switch off this. Yes. Like that. You know, the story about Steve Jobs and um, the, the social network when um, the scene at the start of that, they gave it the Sorkin Hine in the script, and it was something like 15 pages long, and the director went, no, that's got to be five pages long to make it five minutes. The film yeah. goes, no, make him say it quicker. That's yeah. what you got to do. Go faster. And so does that. This film is insanely dialogue heavy, which, yeah. which I love. But not, it doesn't bog you down with it. No. But what it is, and which I love about it, it's completely unpandering. It does not wait for you to understand it. Yeah. It throws you in a world. It does stuff, and you go, if you don't understand this, yeah, fuck you. We don't no, give a shit. Catch up or fuck off. Yeah, that's it. We'll get you. It also starts with Boston winning the Stanley Cup, which I was very happy with, which I was my happiest moment. Thank you, Bruce. But I was very happy with that. Seen Vancouver people cry. Um, the acting, like Chastain, is magnificent. She is on pretty much every scene in the film. Right. And if she's not oh, in the yeah. film, she's doing a lot of overdubbing, like dialogue and um, voiceover of it. So right. she's on. She's in. She's in pretty much the main part of the film. Everyone else, I mean, Elba's excellent, Costner's excellent. There's a scene in the film where Chastain and Costner are on a park bench talking, it's in the trailer, and it is brilliant. Yeah. Like, it's absolutely phenomenal. And you'll, your heart will break, you'll laugh, you'll cry at it. It is just, it is, it's two great actors with a, one of the greatest playwrights in the last 50 years giving them great dialogue. Who did, um, did Jill think of it? Jill loved it as well. Yeah. She said, she, she said her main complaint was it was it's a little bit long, which I didn't think so because I love it, but I can understand it. It's about 100, maybe 100... Just over two hours. Maybe over two hours, yeah. Okay. Which, I get why she didn't embrace it as much as me. I loved it, but I can understand that it might be a slight complaint. If you're a fan of dialogue in a driven film, or even like stuff like The West, like Megan Preston, it's like stuff like Network or Tarantino for that, but when films are purely built on nothing blows up in this film, it's all dialogue. There's a story. There's a story and you rely on the actors to tell you that story. If you're a fan of that, you will absolutely adore this film. I like it, I loved it. When is it out on general? Not till first of January actually. So I've got you You got a month to wait for it. Yet. The one, I mean, I've seen the trailer, was it Sounds Bioshock? Trailer, yeah. And you know, I'd really want to see this so but you're so weird. Yeah, I mean like I'm giving it nine out of ten. Oscar. I would definitely chastain for an Oscar, definitely. I think possibly for best adapted screenplay as well. Because it's adapted from Molly's Molly's book, so it comes from that. So yeah. It's going to win Oscar, I think it should win Oscar, it should be up for best director as well, probably best act best um, um, film as well. Elba could pick up best support. I think Costner should be best supporting because he's only in for about fifteen minutes, but every fucking scene he's in he owns had Oscars, so they might not, but yeah. they should give him something. Always, Costner should fucking have an Oscar just for being Costner. He is brilliant. In it. So I can, I can feel your passion across the table. Oh, like we've been to, I think it's, 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 we've been to a few of these secret screens where you hope for something and it's not something there. You're like, ah, oh, but, but, but still enjoy it. Whatever it is, it's, you, you take a risk with it. You know, this wasn't what you were going to be seeing. You came out thinking, oh no, I had a list of what I wanted was either Molly's game, right, Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, downsizing or a director's cut of Paddington 2 that's, uh, that's the fourth one I wanted <laughs> one of those four I was happy with Molly came with my top choice and that's what I got so I was uh, I, I loved it I can't it, it's like I said it might not be for everyone if you're not a fan of dialogue heavy films you might not like it I am a huge fan of dialogue heavy films Honestly, no one left so that's good. people laughed at the right points and it's it's funny because Sorkin is a funny guy. He can write funny shit. Yeah. Like the, the whole open, yeah. the whole open in the film is literally a ten minute opening just for the fuck you joke. And it works. And it works brilliantly. Like, yeah. like, yeah. like, that is a guy who knows what he's writing. The guy who understands an audience and knows what he wants to do. And this is his first film. The first directing film. Yeah. Oh, I mean. There's a guy's been hot. I mean, he's got a couple of already, so he's not like he's not joining for one. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, if you, there's always that worry of like, can he be, can he take that? Because you always thought every Aaron Sorkin production you feel is very Aaron Sorkin y, you know? So, like the West Wing is like directors of like that, you know, how much of that imprint is them, how much is the writer? And I feel a lot of his films, even the guy when, he, when Fincher directed his film, when Danny Boyle directed his film, 
it still to me feels all the way through which sort of movie yeah which you wonder like how much did they put into it and you realise like, they do put something into it but I feel like it's more the film in this film how would he translate his own vision when he's in total control brilliant like, he's, a, he's a genius yeah moving on to next week next week sir yes next week is a completely dull week unfortunately it doesn't we've got Wonder which is out tomorrow which Friday. sounds fucking depressing it sounds like Mask which is filmed in fucking eight yeah. brought up to date with Julia Roberts and Owen Wilson Owen Wilson and doing he- the fucking most I'm bored out in the fucking main performances yeah so fuck Wonder I'm going, I'm going to see it Friday so hopefully it's alright because I'm committed to this shit sure. I'm looking forward to you turn up on your asshole next week yeah we've also got the man who invented Christmas which I am fucking excited which I like uh, with him <laughs> Dan Dan Stevens Dan Stevens a very handsome man he was in the guest yeah um, and most recently the X-Men spin-off that was on Netflix yeah but also Beauty and the Beast Beauty and the Beast as well yeah so he's doing big things he's in this basically um, yeah he plays Charles Dickens when he was writing a Christmas Carol yeah go to write a book I want to see that. Yes. Look at the Muppet Christmas Carol out on, uh, on a one day release as well. If you don't like that, you have no fucking Christmas spirit at all. Exactly. Um, yeah, uh, that's a re-release, really that's not a new movie, yep. just to put it out there. But it looks good anyway. Um, I've been Colin McKay, you've been Richard Laird. And thanks for listening to... Three beers and a movie.